Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. Now let's be honest. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 21 through 33 is a controversial passage. I mean, when we read it, we have a problem with it. And our problem is when Paul says in verse 22, wives submit to your husband. We think, how can Paul say that? Is he sexist? And we get stuck on that. And when I say we, I'm talking about 21st century readers living in the West. However, if we were first in the first century living in and around Ephesus, we would also have a major problem with this passage, this controversial passage. But our problem would not be that Paul says, wives submit to your husbands. When they would read that out in the church, everyone would be nodding their heads and going, yes, yes, because that's the done thing in their culture. Their problem, and also the emphasis in this passage, is when Paul says in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives. At that point, everyone in the church falls off their chair and says, What? What did he say? Husbands, love your wife? That is the shock. That is the controversy in this passage. For within the ancient world, everyone that had these household codes, codes about how husbands and wives should behave, how children and parents should behave, how slaves and masters should behave. The Jewish had their code, the Greeks had their household code, the Romans had their household code, and in all these codes, they all insist that the wife submits to the husband. But they also all insist that the husband lord it over, exercise power over, rules over his wife. That's the natural opposite of submit. One party submits, the other rules over. So you can see how controversial this is. Paul is subverting and radically transforming the way husbands and wives relate to each other within his culture. Nowhere does he say that a husband should rule over his wife. Rather, he says a husband must love his wife. Now, in verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says that we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit, according to verse 19 through to 21, is that we will worship together. We will give thanks to God together, and we will submit to one another. We read in verse 21, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We submit, mutually submit to one another. 
In other words, we become more like Jesus. For Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Although He was the very Son of God, He did not come for people to serve Him, but rather He humbled Himself, took on the nature of a servant, and served us. He put our interest above His, and He loved us, and He died for us. And this is the attitude we need to have. We need to adopt the attitude of Jesus. And the way we do that is by having reverence for Jesus and by being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that leads to mutual submission. But the question, of course, arises, well, if everyone is mutually submitting to each other, how does that work practically? especially within the household. For within the ancient household, everyone, wives, children, slaves, all were subject to the rule of the head of the household. That's how it functioned. How was this mutual submission going to work? Was the head of the house going to submit to his wife's will, to the children's will, to the slave's will? Surely that would lead to chaos. How does this work? The very short answer, Paul says, well, Paul doesn't completely abandon the traditional hierarchical structures, but he does radically subvert them and transform them. So, uh, today we're going to be looking at the relationship between husband and wives. Next week we'll be looking at parent and children and slave and master. So how does this relationship between uh, husband and wife work? Well, firstly, Paul affirms the hierarchical structure of his culture when he says, in verse 22, wives submit to your husbands. So he's affirming the norm, the cultural norm of his day. And it was very natural for a wife to submit to her husband within that day Because firstly, within that day, wives were considered to be the property of a husband. And there was a massive age gap between the husband and the wife. A husband would marry at around about the age of 30. The wife would marry at about 15 or 16 or even younger. The wife would also be largely uneducated, excepting for household chores. And it would be an arranged marriage. There was no romantic love prior to marriage. This was the cultural context. And within that context, it makes sense why the wife would submit to the husband. But Paul radically qualifies this. And he says in verse 22, Wives, submit to your husband As to the Lord. Again, in verse 24, he says, Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to their husbands in everything. So what Paul is saying is a wife should submit to her husband, but only as, and in the same way as, the church 
submits to Jesus. So the question is, well, how does the church submit to Jesus? The church submits by responding to His sacrificial love. He's our Savior, so we submit. He loves us and dies for us, so we submit to Him. The church doesn't submit to Jesus' headship because we are being forced to do so against our will, manipulated to do so, coerced to do so. No. The church submits voluntarily and joyfully and with a grateful heart because of what Jesus has done for us. So a wife, when her husband is loving her like Jesus loves her, must submit. But you can see how Paul is radically changing the culture of his day. Within his culture, and, and, and that day, a wife had to submit to her husband in everything under compulsion. There was no option. She had no rights. So Paul is saying, yes, she must submit, but only as the church submits to Jesus. So if her husband is not loving her, or if her husband is asking her to do something that Jesus would never ask her to do, or if the husband is being abusive, then she must not submit. It's not an unconditional submission. She submits when her husband loves her the way Jesus loved the church. Secondly, Paul affirms the uh, hierarchical structure of his day and culture by saying that the husband is the head. We read in verse 23, for a husband is the head of the wife. That was the cultural norm of the day. The husband was expected to take the lead. But Paul immediately qualifies this as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is a savior. For when we hear the word headship, we immediately think of someone who exercises authority and a power over someone, and it's normally assumed to be abusive. And in Paul's day, it often was. So Paul qualifies headship. We are meant to be the head, just as Jesus was the head. We need to be ahead, not in a controlling, powerful way, but in the way of Jesus, in the way of love. So husbands, we are the head. But that isn't a right, that's a responsibility. We have the responsibility to take the lead. We have the responsibility to take the lead in loving our wife. And this is the whole emphasis of this passage. Paul devotes twice as many words to husbands loving their wives as he does to wives submitting to their husband. 
How should a husband love his wife? Well, firstly, he needs to love her sacrificially. We read in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus dies for the church. And a husband needs to love his wife with that kind of sacrificial love that he would be prepared to die for his wife. It means giving up his interests so that he can serve her interests. It means putting her interests above his. It means being more concerned about what she wants than what he wants. Secondly, it's a purifying love. We read at the end of verse 25 and all the way through to verse 27. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church without strain, stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. When Victoria walked down the aisle, she was radiant, perfect. Now there was a lot of preparation and stress that went on beforehand to make sure she was perfect. And that's what Jesus does. He comes to us because He loves us. He dies for us because He loves us. He sends His Holy Spirit into us because He loves us and He wants us to become a radiant bride without stain or wrinkle or blemish. Perfect. In other words, He wants us to be what God has always intended us to be. He wants us to be what He created us to be. And that's how the husband should be loving his wife. He shouldn't be doing anything that would stifle her or frustrate her from being herself, but rather he should do everything in his power to enable her to reach her full potential so that she can become what God created her to be and what God called her to be. Also, A husband should never embarrass or humiliate his wife in public. That is not loving. That is shameful. A husband has a responsibility as the head of the house to ensure that his wife is always seen in a good light. That everyone can see the best in his wife. That she would look radiant. Thirdly, it's a caring love. Verse 28 and following says, In the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become One flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. And that is a profound mystery. When we put our faith in Jesus, we become one with Jesus. And in a similar way, when you get married, you become one with your wife. 
And therefore, a husband ought to love his wife in the same way he loves his body because they are one. And just as a husband will look after his body, take care of his body, and feed his body, he needs to take care of his wife. He has a responsibility to make sure that all of his wife's needs are met. Physical, emotional, and spiritual. He needs to put his wife's needs above his own. In verse 21, Paul starts by saying we need to submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. How does this mutual submission work in practice? How does a husband and a wife mutually submit to each other? Particularly in a cultural context that says a wife must submit and a husband must rule. Paul says, a wife should submit and a husband should love. For when a husband is loving his wife in the same way that Jesus loved the church, then he is submitting to her in a far more profound way. And when the wife is submitting to her husband, she is loving her husband. What does it mean to submit? It means giving up oneself for your spouse. What does it mean to love? It means giving up of oneself for your spouse. This is Confirmed again at the end in verse 33, where Paul says, However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, respect is too soft a word here. It's the same Greek word that is translated reverence, in verse 21, where it says we should, we should submit to each other out of reverence for Jesus. So it certainly includes respect, but it's far more than that. The wife submitting is her way of showing reverence to her husband. It's her way of showing that she adores her husband. So the picture over here is of two people mutually submitting to one another, mutually loving one another, mutually adoring one another. And therefore, within marriage, the only argument you can ever have is the husband saying, no, we're not going to do it my way, we're going to do it your way, and the wife responding, no, we're not going to do it my way, we're going to do it your way. Or the husband saying, no, we're not going to watch the rugby or go surfing, we're going to go shopping for clothes all day. To which the wife's going to say, no, we're not going to go shopping, we're going to go watch the rugby and go surfing. Mutually submitting. Mutually loving. 
mutually adoring each other. Of course, this is the ideal. This doesn't come naturally. You have to work at this. And it's only out of our reverence for Jesus and by being filled with the Holy Spirit that we can live up to this ideal. Also take note that within a Christian marriage, there are not two parties, but three. And the third is Jesus. The wife submits as to the Lord. The husband loves as Jesus loved. Within a Christian marriage, the true head of the marriage is always Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you came to us in the person of Jesus, that you died for us, that you served us, that you put our interests before yours, and that your desire is to present us, to make us holy, cleaning us, washing us, purifying us, so that you can present us as a radiant bride without stain or wrinkle or blemish, but holy. And Father, we thank you that when we look at how you loved us, it inspires us in how we relate to other people and how we love other people. It helps us to mutually submit to one another out of reverence for you. Father, we confess this doesn't come easy. And particularly, we confess that in marriage it doesn't come easy. Father, won't you fill us by your Holy Spirit and empower us to be able to love sacrificially, to put other people's interests before us, so that we can mutually submit to one another out of reverence for you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.